Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Welcome to the Betting Above the Rim podcast. Today's date, January 1st, 2024. Happy New Year from myself and my producer, Matt George, and the Sports Grid family to you and yours. This is episode 16 of the Betting Above the Rim podcast. We were going to do something with college basketball, but such stuff happened in the last five days, we had to throw it all out and start over. Today's topics include... The big trade between the Toronto Raptors and the New York Knicks. Leon Rose makes his first significant trade since taking over the Knicks front office. We'll break down how this trade impacted both teams in the short and long term. Two, the Pistons finally, I told you they were going to beat Toronto. They finally broke their losing streak of 28 games. I'm going to tell you why I think Detroit is not the worst team in the NBA particularly moving forward into the future. Third, Celtics have been playing fantastic basketball this entire season. Are they the class of the NBA? And what team or teams do I think is a biggest threat to their championship run? And with Emmanuel quickly being traded from the Knicks to the Raptors and now most likely going into the starting lineup, and has shifted the six-man market, I should say, in the NBA. We'll look at the board as it's been reshaped. Welcome to the Betting Above the Rim podcast. This is Coach Young, and let's get started with the big trade that took place a couple of days ago between the Toronto Raptors and the New York Knicks. Yes, they're suing each other, but they could still make a trade. Leon Rose, Masai Ujiri came together, and it was a trade that no one really saw coming that saw R.J. Barrett and Emmanuel quickly, along with a 2024 second-round pick. That is a pick that belongs to Detroit. So this is going to be a high second-round pick going uh, to Toronto and in New York receiving O.G. Ananobi, Precious Achua, and Malachi Flynn. And when you look at this from a Knicks perspective, I'm going to say this, folks. This trade had to be made. And this trade had to be made for a couple of reasons. Number one, the glut of guards. Number two, they need a 3 and D guy. And number three, they needed a backup big. So when you look at this trade, let's go piece by piece. And first start off with OG Ananobi. The six foot eight, seven two wingspan, three and D guy out of Indiana that played uh, obviously with Toronto. And you can see as, as we're recording this episode, the next game has just gone final. And you can just look at the impact that OG made immediately in game number one, getting six, 17 points, three out of six from three, six rebounds, an assist, a steal, although he did foul out, but played 35 minutes. And I think when you look at OG, there's a couple of reasons why he fits the Knicks better than R.J. Barrett. Number one is the ability to make the corner three. 
That's a sweet spot. She said about 42, 43%, I do believe, from that corner three. And in New York spacing, that's where R.J. Barrett was a lot of the time. OG is a better corner three-point shooter than R.J. Barrett. Number two, it's the defense. Now, tonight in this game, 35 points for Anthony Edwards. But you got to look at the tape really closely, particularly look at the points that he scored when OG was guarding him and when he was not. So OG definitely made him work. And OG is the type of player, folks, that can guard one, two, three, and four. So that will be a big thing for a Nick team that really, if you look at their new starting lineup, Jalen Brunson, not a strong defender. Dante DiVincenzo, not a strong defender. Julius Randle, not a strong defender. Now your number one assignment is OG Ananobi, one through four. We saw him guard Ozzy Ant. He actually guarded Carl Anthony Towns as well in spots. So that is where OG comes in. Now with Precious Achua, this is just very simple, folks. They lost Mitchell Robinson, who was the backbone of their defense. So getting Precious Achua, although undersized, plays bigger than 6'8", and he becomes the backup center by Isaiah Hartenstein. But here's the other thing that people need to remember. Precious can play the four, and the Knicks have not been able to have that taken care of since Obi Toppin has been traded. They've played Josh Hart at the four. That's not where they want to play Josh. They want to play him a little bit more as a three. So to me, Precious now becomes your backup five and your backup four at times. And then when you look at Malachi Flynn, this is just a throw-in, just a way to make salaries work. He's been in the league since 2019, first-round pick, end of the first round when he was drafted by Toronto. So he gives them a little bit of something in the backcourt. Now, for Knicks, really quickly, before we get to Toronto, it's a couple of things. Number one, you got to look at the spacing, right? So now if you have the Knicks, you have a driving guard and Brunson, a, a big that can take you from the three but back you down and, and Julius Randle. But now you have two guys that can shoot the ball in the perimeter and Dante DiVincenzo and OG Ananobi. And you should be looking at their three-point props, the two of them combined, for five made threes today. That is going to be something you're going to want to watch for in regards to that. Last piece, two young guys that are going to have to step up for the Knicks are going to be Quentin Grimes and Deuce McBride. Obviously, Grimes was in the starting lineup, came off the bench. Actually, in today's game, really gave the Knicks a good minutes, 18 minutes, uh, two of three from three, two of two for the line, 10 points and 18 minutes of action. And then Deuce McBride did not play particularly well, seven minutes and 20 seconds, 0 for three from the floor. That's where the Knicks are going to be in trouble because they're going to lose the best six man in the league, which we'll talk about a little bit later with Emmanuel quickly. Maybe the Knicks go in a trade route, maybe like a Jordan Clarkson, someone that can fortify their second unit. Let's flip over to Toronto. Very simple, folks. They got their backcourt of the future. First off, the prodigal son has come home. R.J. Barrett, a.k.a. the Maple Mamba, comes back to Toronto where he's from. He did love New York, but this is a spot where if he wanted to go anywhere, it was going to be Toronto. So this is a good spot and a location that's close to home. His family, his father, Rowan Barrett, is the head of uh, the Canadian basketball uh, for the Olympics. And obviously, that he slides into that starting two spot 
along with this guy, Emmanuel Quickly. I'm going to say this. Emmanuel Quickly is a caliber starting guard in the NBA. He can get you 17, 18 points, six, seven assists. He can shoot the ball from three. The problem with him is, is he was never going to get the minutes in New York. He wanted $25 million a year. Knicks only wanted to give him 18. You can't pay a backup point guard $25 million. It takes away a lot of flexibility and, and salary cap-wise. So Emmanuel quickly goes into the starting line. Dennis Schroeder comes off the bench. Maybe he gets moved. And then now you talk about on the backcourt with R.J. Barrett. So R.J. Barrett, Emmanuel quickly. We'll see what happens on the front court. Obviously, Scotty Barnes is, is entrenched. Jakob Pearl as a, as the five. But let's let's see what happens now with Pascal Siakam is in his walk here. Do they try and make a trade for Pascal and load up on more assets? Or do they resign and really become a really interesting team with Quickly, with Barrett, obviously, with Jakob uh, Pertl, with Scotty Barnes, who's shooting a lot better from three, and Pascal Siakam. We'll see how that shakes up for the Toronto Raptors. But this is a trade that I think will benefit both teams in the short term now and in the long term in the future. Like I said, Toronto's get their starting backcourt of the future. The Knicks will end up re-signing OG Ananobi. He becomes their 3 and D guy and their best defender for years and years to come. Let's move on to the team that the Raptors lost to shorthanded without OG Without Precious Achua, that Malachi Flynn, and that is Detroit basketball. Started the year two and one, lost 28 games to tie an NBA losing streak, and got a 129-127 win at home versus the Raptors. And when you look at this team, I'm gonna say this, folks. I have been a believer myself, and especially Kevin Walsh. We have been big believers, and we talked about this on on, on Batter the last couple of years, in the play of Cade Cunningham. And with Cade, folks, it just he just had to be healthy. He missed a large portion of the year last year, and now he's being healthy now, and now he's starting to show everybody what he can do. You got to remember, folks, when you talk about someone like Cade Cunningham, people were talking about as we were getting ready for the FIBA World Cup. He was part of the select team. And they were talking about times that he was absolutely dominant, Cade Cunningham. And he has had himself a great year so far, Cade, leading his team in scoring and assists. And this is a chance at 23.5 points per game, 7.3 assists, shooting 45% from the floor and 35% from three, 87% from the foul line. So Cade has been Cade. They have Bogdanovich, who I think will be traded at some point, giving you a, a, close to 20 points a game. You have Jalen Duren, who's been a double-double machine at 13, 11.7, uh, really shooting the ball well at about 63% from the floor. Jay Nivey, we got to figure out what we got at Jay Nivey. Some games he's great, some he's not. Getting you 12.8 points per game, and then you got Marvin Bagley, Alec Burks, getting you 10.5, 9.5, then the rookie of Short Thompson, 9.2 and 7.2. Here's the key thing here. Number one, that guy should be moved. Bogdanovich should be moved. We know about I, uh, Stewart, what he can do. I, I think he's still part of the solution. And obviously, a, uh, a Sore Thompson is going to be part of the solution here. But I would look for Bogdanovich. I would look for Bagley. And I would look for Burks, all to be moved. Why? they got to play the young kids. 
namely a sore Thompson since Bogdanovich has come back. Uh, he has gone to the bench and at times hasn't gotten consistent minutes. But I'm, this is why I wanted to bring up Detroit, okay? They have the longest losing streak, tied for the longest losing streak in the history of the NBA. Folks, I am here to tell you, they are not the worst team in the NBA. They're not the worst team in the NBA now, and they're definitely not the worst team in the NBA moving forward. To me, when you look at the NBA, there are two teams that I would say right now that if I had my choice of rosters, if you could give me Detroit or these next two teams, I'm taking Detroit. The first team I'm going to bring up is the Washington Wizards. At 6-26, they have one of the worst defenses in the league, and this guy here, uh, Jordan Poole, it has not panned out with Jordan Poole and Kyle Kuzma. He was traded to be the guy. Now, he's getting you 17.2. Folks, he was getting you 20 points a game last year. You look at Tyus Jones, who's played really well. Uh, I think he's one of the best you know, backup point guards in the league. Preston is starting a lot of 12.6 points per game. He is a free agent at the end of the year, folks. So someone like Tyus Jones gets moved. Does Kyle Kuzma at 23.1 points per game, 6.2, 4.3, does he get moved? I don't think he's the number one scorer in this league. I think he's a damn, damn good number three scorer. So when you look at Kuzma, when you look at Poole, when you look at Jones, like you got to go through the rest of it. I mean, Joe hasn't really developed what we thought. Daniel Gabbard, mm, okay. Koulibaly, it's giving you 8.5 as a rookie. Corey Kispert, 11.6, doesn't really do it for me. So if you're lining up Detroit or Washington, who are you taking? Well, especially if you know that maybe Kuzan could get moved. Tyus Jones is a free agent. To me, I'm taking Detroit with Cade, with Ivy, with Doran, and then obviously Asore Thompson, and also because of Monty Williams, I know he's a better coach than that. But there's another team I'm going to take Detroit over, and that's the Charlotte Hornets. A Charlotte Hornets team that basically has been without their best player all year in LaMelo Ball. And the problem with LaMelo is, is let's be honest, folks, LaMelo just can't stay healthy. And I think that's one reason why I want to put you know Charlotte uh, behind uh, a team like Detroit is they can't stay healthy. But it's it's the other part. It's, it's scary Terry Rozier, although he's giving you 23.6 points per game. Is he someone that's going to be a trade candidate? Because to me, he's an undersized two-guard. There's Bridges. Gave you 19.4 since he's been back since his suspension. And I do think he could be a trade candidate if teams were looking at him. Well, you got to look because of the fact of you got to play Brandon Miller at 14.9 points per game in his rookie year playing relatively well. But Gordon Hayward, someone else is going to get traded. Uh, Mark Williams, he probably won't be traded at 12.7 and 9.7. But someone like Nick Richards at 8.8 and 7 is another trade candidate. So when I'm looking at a team like this, well, I'm telling you, Scary Terry can get traded, right? Gordon Hayward can get traded. Bridges can get traded. You know, Richards can get traded. You never know P.J. Washington. So this team in Charlotte, I think, is going to continue to blow it up. And I think they're going to reshape the roster around LaMelo Ball and Brandon Miller. So when you line up those three teams, the best team out of those three or the Detroit Pistons, throw the record away. Look at what they have and what's going forward. Who has the better roster of the three? To me, that's Monty Williams and the Detroit Pistons. Let's move on from the worst to the best, and that's the Boston Celtics. 
who have been playing such phenomenal ball so far this year in the NBA. And they are, without a shadow of a doubt, the leaders of the clubhouse as the best team in the NBA. They also have the best record in the NBA at 26-6, and six-game six winning streak, winners of nine out of their last ten. Why are they playing so well? Oh, I don't know, folks. Maybe because their starting lineup is the best in the NBA. Their starting lineup could, it could be their starting lineup could be one of the best teams in the NBA in the last ten to fifteen years. If you really look at it, like top to bottom, Jalen, uh, Jason Tatum, twenty six point nine, eight point four, four point four, playing at a, such an insanely high level is Jason Tatum. And if you look closely at his stats, right, he's shooting the ball. 47.4%. Folks, that's the best since his rookie year. He's shooting at 34.6% from three. Now that's where he's got to fix, right? 7.5 rebounds just off of his pace. I'm 8.4 rebounds, I'm sorry, just off his pace, 8.8 last year, and 4.4 assists. So he's got to shoot the ball a little bit better from three, but Tatum has been fantastic. Moving on to Jalen Brown, getting you 23 points per game. 5.1 rebounds, 3.7 assists. And then looking at his numbers is obviously Jalen Brown is scoring uh, the ball less than he did last year, 26.6. There's a reason why. We'll get to that in a second. But 48.9% just off his average from last year. And then 35.3%, which is up from 33.5 last year and shooting 73.3% from the top from the line. Why are they playing really well, folks? Yeah, it's because of this guy who Katie called the unicorn coming out of, of, you know, from Latvia. And that is Kristaps Porzingis, playing absolutely fantastic ball, getting you 20 points per game, 7.2 rebounds, 1.7 assists. And listen, folks, the thing about Kristaps has always been his health, right? Last year in Washington was his first really healthy year. He's down to 20 points per game. But, folks, 52.7% for Kristaps, career high. 32.3% 32.3% from three, got to be better. Shot at about 39 last year, 83 from the line, 7.2 rebounds, a little bit less. But and all in all, he has given them something that they could not get out of Robert Williams. That is a stretch five that now gives Brown and Tatum driving lanes to the basket, and he can still block your, your 1.7 blocks per game. So he's still one of the top rim protectors in the league just like Robert Williams. But it's also the guard play, folks, really quick you have to talk about. And that's, one, the acquisition of Drew Holiday, who I believe is the best pound-for-pound defender in the NBA. Getting you 13.1, 6.6, Now you're going to say, well, he's scoring less than he did by about six points per game. Don't worry about that. He doesn't need to score that much. Scoring 46% from the floor. Okay, good. 42% from three. That's big. That's a career high for him right now. And getting you to 6.6 assists, which are also a career high for uh, Mr. Drew Hall. I'm sorry, 6.6 rebounds, I should say, is a career high. 4.7 assists a little bit down. That's because he's got ISO guys in Tatum and, and Brown around him. But lastly, Derek White has been fantastic, folks. I mean, you, folks, could they? Could you be talking about Derek White being a possible? He won't get there, but you need to talk about Derek White as a possible all-star, folks. At 17 points per game, 3.9, 5.3 assists, playing some of his best basketball of his career, 
And think about the back, 17 points per game, career high. His 49.1% career high. 41.6% from three, career high. Everything he's doing, 89.2% career high. He has been outstanding. So the play of their starting lineup, along with Hauser, Horford, Pritchard off the bench, has given the Celtics the reason why they are right now, according to the FanDuel Sportsbook, the leader in the clubhouse by over a dollar at plus 320 to win the NBA championship. So while I can sit there and say they are the best, who who could be a team that could dethrone them? One from the East, one from the West. In the East, let's start with Philadelphia because of that man, the reigning MVP, Joel Embiid, who has been absolutely fantastic this year, scoring 35 points per game. This guy will give Chris Stapp's poor Zingas problems as he could roll him into the post and muscle him up, but also step out and shoot the ball from three. But it's also the play of Tyrese Maxey. Now, this will be interesting because Tyrese Maxey will have to be more consistent in the playoffs. But I do think you have uh, a player that could score, and it'll be interesting to see how he does when he's getting guarded by Drew Holiday. But it's also it's a Tobias Harris who's in his walk year. Should he be staying in or past the deadline? It's the fact that Nick Nurse, I do believe, is one of the best coaches in the NBA. But you never know. You never know what Daryl Morey will be up to. And I do think the reason why I also say they're a threat is I think they're going to make a trade. I don't know where it's coming from, but they want to make a trade. They were in and did love OG Ananobi. Maybe that's why the Knicks jumped on him and took him now. But I do think that is going to be a trade Daryl Morey is going to look to make is upgrade and get a better 3 and D guy. And I do think he will uh, help the Philadelphia 76ers in, in regards to I think they are – the best team to dethrone Boston and East, even more than Milwaukee. Let's move to the West. Oh, you're going to kind of put two and two together, right? I just told you Joel Embiid is the problem in the East. Well, who's the problem in the West? It's Nikola Jokic, a.k.a. the Joker. But this is because of the fact of not beefy enough, not big enough is Chris Porzingis to go ahead and defend him in the low post. But it's the others. It's the guard play of Jamal Murray. It's the stretch four play of Michael Porter Jr. So you, you see what I'm going with, right? A really good point guard that can score and create. A stretch four that can knock down shots like Michael Porter Jr. An elite center, right? A three and D guy. I wouldn't say three and D. I'll give you the D, not the three. And a guy like Aaron Gordon. But KCP, Bruce Brown, Reggie Jackson. This is a team that I think would give the Celtics fits, particularly because it'll play Nikola Jokic. So to me, that's the thing that's interesting is, what does a team like Boston do? Do they go ahead and trade deadline and just stay pat? Or do they try and go get themselves, let's say, another big, a beefier, bigger big, that may be able to muscle and throw their weight around? Because I do get concerned about Porzingis' injury history and father time with Al Horford. Let's end today's podcast talking about the Sixth Man of the Year Award, which coming into this year, who was the leader in the clubhouse? It was Emmanuel Quickly of the New York Knicks. Uh, I, I run a plus 900, I do believe, uh, before the season started, tied with Norman Powell, Malik Monk at 12-1, Brogdon 16-1, CP3 17-1. Current odds, Austin Reeves 2.5, uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. 3-1, Cole Anthony Jr. 6.5, 
Bogdanovich of Atlanta, seven to one. Malik Monk at eight and a half to one. And the reason why is, folks, Emmanuel quickly, now that he's got traded from the Knicks of Toronto, is going to go into the starting line where he wanted to go. So when you look at this market, who who becomes to coach's favorite to get this award? For me, I'm going to go with a chalk and a guy down the line. Chalk, I'm going to go with Tim Hardaway Jr., who's been absolutely fantastic as going to play enough games on the bench that it's going to allow him to be in that six-man-a-year conversation. And because of the fact of over the years, they've lost Christian Wood. They've lost Spencer Dimwitty. They've lost Jalen Brunson. He has to be the guy that can absolutely score. And if I want to pick a second guy, it's this guy pulling up in the screen right now, and that's Malik Monk. Malik Monk, who never had a shot that he didn't like, is doing a great job so far with the Sacramento Kings team that people thought were going to just roll over and not be that good. Well, they're first place in their division, and Malik Monk is getting you 14.5 points per game. But the big thing with Malik Monk, folks, 5.2 assists. Malik Monk has played every game off the bench. He has found his home in Sacramento. And if you look at his stats, his 14.5 points per game are a career high. His 41.2% career high. 89.2% from the line, career high. 5.2 assists, career high. So to me, if they can stay at the top of that division, I think the value play is Malik Monk, but my pick to be sixth man of the year, Tim Hardaway Jr. This has been your Betting Above the Rim podcast for January 1st. For all your information and to get clips of this podcast and all things from our network, please download our Sports Grid app, available on iOS, Android, Google Store, this app is really should be your end all and be all for sports gambling. Pre-game, in-game, post-game, props, predictions, analysis from some of the best in the market. Next podcast, January 3rd. I'm hoping I get this guest. I've been working on this guest for months. I'm hoping he comes on. But we will dive into college basketball. It's the first week of January. That means we're two months from March Madness, which means we're now in the in the regular season play of conference play. Big time matchups every week in college basketball. Once again, this has been Coach Young. Thank you for listening from our my producer, Matt George, who's done a fantastic job on this podcast. It's been a pleasure to be on with you. As always, January 1st, Happy New Year. A lot of uh, new resolutions, I would say, for a lot of us, including us, myself and Sports Convert Network, but the number one thing you already know, never a resolution, it's always smarter to be on Sports Grid. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, 
<laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 